Hi, I'm Scott Cooper, and this is the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham, head coach of Christopher Newport University men's soccer, and I are privileged to welcome Jackson Meyer and Jubril Bemgala, cadet student-athletes from the United States Military Academy at West Point. They discuss their recruiting process, applying and gaining admittance to the academy, the beast, soccer at West Point, the Army-Navy rivalry, and what the future holds for them. Jackson and Jubril are two very impressive young men. Thank you to Coach Plotkin for your help making this happen. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Well, fellas, uh, I really appreciate you both being on. Scott and I are very excited about this one. Now, I am going to ask if you guys don't mind, uh, since I have a small military background, my dad served, uh, if you could use some of the, the lingo, the jargon. And I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. So my first question to you, let me look at my watch here. It is, oh, 1600 now. And uh, you guys are about to enter the mess hall. Is that, do you guys call it the mess hall? Am I way off base here? And if you are, what, what's, what's the food like at West Point? What are we doing tonight? So first of all, 1600, sir. Not oh sixteen hundred, but oh, I, was, I was I was guessing oh yeah okay I was, okay I see what you're doing no wonder you're always late <laughs> but we do call the mess hall here um, there's definitely some mixed reviews on how the food is uh, depending on depending on the meal uh, Taco Tuesday today would be a huge one I love Taco Tuesday it's my favorite but there's some other ones that are definitely not as popular but we have other options around here. To get food, if it may not be a good day per se, as for somebody, what somebody wants to eat. And my my guess is they're getting you ready for when you're going to be eating at the mess halls uh, at your barracks or whatever base you're at. I can't imagine that those are the best dining experience. My dad used to bring home MREs, and uh, as a kid, I was like, man, these things are pretty good, but I, I just couldn't imagine eating those things. Yes, sir. There's 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 some, there's some good candies in the MREs, but. Overall, it's it's not your favorite meal. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I appreciate you both being here. Uh, we kind of chatted a little bit. We cut you both off. Uh, Jabril, you, if you don't mind starting us off, why don't you kind of give us your your background, how you ended up at West Point, and uh, you know, give us your soccer background, and then we'll kind of jump into the yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, so yeah, first off, I want to say on behalf of me and Jackson, thank you guys for having us. It's really an honor to speak on your podcast and kind of give more of a brief like introduction of what West Point is, especially to you as a dad, and then to like all the coaches and players who are interested in West Point. But um, my name is Jabril Bambala. Uh, I'm a freshman here, I'm a forward, and I am from Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, my soccer background, I played for two like main clubs that kind of were the reason for my recruiting. I played for Bayside, which is a MLS next team based off Rhode Island. And then I also played for New England Revolution, played for the academy for about two years. So those clubs are like the clubs that got me like recruited the most, got me the most looks. Um, what ended, what made me end up here was about like my junior year, 
when like recruiting started to open up, coaches started going to showcases. There was a ECNL showcase for Bayside, and Coach Check, one of the assistant coaches here, he emailed me. And at first, I don't have any military background. I'm a first generation American on my dad's side. He was born and raised in Nigeria. My mom, she had like maybe a grandfather who served in like the army or the navy. I don't, I couldn't even tell you. So I don't really have any military background at all. So at first, you know, I see this message from the army and my dad's meeting like, nope, we're not doing this, you know, but then, you know, you kind of give it, you got to give it a chance. You do your research, you do your due diligence and you realize that West Point is not this place where they're going to send you off to like war immediately, but this place where you're going to develop as a better person. Um, and then in my case and me and Jackson's case, a better soccer player too. So that's kind of what made me pick West Point. Um, out of any other schools, the opportunities afterwards and the opportunities while you're here. So, it's awesome, Jackson. What's your uh, what's your story, buddy? So I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm a yuck here, or a sophomore, and um, growing up in Dallas, there's three main clubs: FC Dallas, Solar, and uh, the Texans. I started from since I was a kid with Solar my whole life growing up until about sophomore year, where I made a change over to the Dallas Texans. And that was where the majority of all my recruiting was. And I played with them through the ECNL. Um, and I had that weird junior year where it was supposed to be your big year, but it was COVID for me. So recruiting was super low. And then we went to ECNL Nationals, and that's where I got the majority of my looks. Um, a bunch of coaches started reaching out. And eventually I got uh, into contact with Coach Blockin. And my dad immediately was like, you're going like definitely different than the grills dad, but he was all in it. And like in my ear, you have to commit, you have to go here. I was definitely a little bit scared at first. Um, I kind of heard about it. I, I never really thought I could get in. I, I had all right grades, but not the best. And then going through talks with coach Blockin and seeing that I could get in, he finally just gave me a call. And I just remember looking at my dad and he was like, commit, commit. <laughs> and so I kind of just, it felt right, and I, I made the commitment, and I committed, and I'm, I'm happy as ever. Now, did he want you to commit so you could be on the other side of the country and free education so he could start, you know, rearranging your room and turning it into something better <laughs> yeah. than you wanted there? Like, what was his he, thought process there? He is – uh, he doesn't – we don't come from a military family, but he acts like he's been a Green Beret, and he wants me to go and be in the <laughs> military and do all kinds of crazy things. Um, I put some thought into those things, but it's a long ways away and I'm just, um, enjoying the journey right now and seeing where it takes me. Sure. Sure. It's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, both of you do not come from a military background. Like that's, uh, I wasn't expecting that. I thought at least one of you would have been, uh, I actually was excited. Jabril wasn't. And I was like, Oh, good. We can kind of go a different direction here, but you both sure. aren't, which is, it's still fine. Um, now I'm glad you guys kind of talked about that. Cause when I recruit and I re actually recruited against West Point, Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, quite a bit. It, it's kind of, it, it, I love it. It's awesome. But almost every kid that isn't, no, if I get in, I'm going type kid. Uh, they all say the same thing. And it's kind of what you guys were talking about. Jabril, you might have hit on it a little bit earlier. Uh, they all say the same thing. I'm not sure if I want to do the military thing. And so, all right. Cool. We all have an idea what that might look like. Uh, you know, your coach mentioned it in the previous podcast and kind of what that looks like. What were your expectations coming in? Like, what were your thoughts? And then what was reality? You know, kind of what kind of put those two together? Uh, Jabril, why don't you start for us and let us know 
what you thought it was going to be versus reality and how accurate were you? All right. So my expectations, I thought it was going to be like a lot more. I kind of did like my prior research prior to coming into Beast, but I thought it was going to be like a lot more, not strict, but like a lot more like military, Joe Sargent yelling in your face. It is like that. Like when you first arrive there on your first day of Beast. But then slowly, like, as you ease into it, as you, like, progress into it, you start to get not more comfortable, but you start to, like, understand what you're doing there. Um, it's, like, a totally different experience. Um, I think Beast, which is, like, the basic training for us, was is supposed to be humbling. It's supposed to be something where you fail because you're going to a school where everyone here is an overachiever. Everyone here has done amazing things with their life, athlete, non-athlete. You know, like the kid next to you is a valedictorian and the kids here, the kids here left is a valedictorian, the kids to your right is like an all-American, whatever. So Beast was definitely made to humble you and I wasn't expecting that. So first, first coming in, you know, you're like, oh, like I'm going to kill this, you know, I'm fit, I can do this, I can do that. And then boom, you know, you fail your first task and then boom, you fail your next task and then you just keep failing, but you don't really see and so you take a step back, like all the progress you're really making within those failures, all those failures have a reason. So every single failure that you experience here, it's character building moment. It's a moment where you kind of like build yourself up in those failing moments. So to answer your question, my expectations, I kind of, I wish I, I, I expected West Point to build me into a better person. And I can say that it's doing that. So elaborate uh some of these failures what what drills just got you you just couldn't mm-hmm. pass whatever it was so, so basically you first get there right and you know you're like you're an 18 year old kid you're like all right like this is gonna be i'm just gonna get through this da, da, da. so the first thing you have to do the first first thing you have to do is you have to unpack your bags how hard is that right that's that's not hard you know you have your bags you're unpacking your bags right there's six people we're all just gonna unpack our bags real quick right so they're like, okay, you guys are going to pack your bag. You guys have 30 seconds, right? You're like, okay, this is, this is good, right? So you, you, you know, you dump all your stuff, you put it in the military bag. They're counting to like 30. It's like one, two, three. Then they stop at three and you have nothing in your bag. So now, now you're like, we're like, okay, we're going to do this again. And then you just keep doing it and doing it. And then by the time you leave, you're missing like all your showers, all your shower stuff, all the stuff you brought. So now you're just kind of like, all right, what am I going to do now? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing they make you do is like drilling. So like military movements. So like right face, left face, just like these drilling, these marching movements. And the way I was going, you would have thought I had no coordination. People were looking at me like, what are you doing? So just like those initial, those initial failures are the things that kind of, that I got here. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe this isn't as easy as I thought, as I thought it was going to be. Now that sounds like it was something that you can do. It's, definitely a simple task, but mm-hmm. you're, it's day one or it's week one, whatever. And you mm-hmm. probably are in your mind and wondering, all right, is this right? What's going on here? I mean, <laughs> how much do you think that was a factor here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, right away I was like, man, like, what did I do? Like, what is this? Like I was having trouble unpacking my bags. I was like, how am I going to get through this? But then like, as you, as you progress, as you realize like you're supposed to fail, it definitely gets a lot easier. Sure. Mm-hmm. Jackson, what do you what do you have for that? Uh, do you have the same kind of experience, same kind of uh, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure I want to do this. You know, what, what are your thoughts there? I definitely had some reservations in the beginning about coming, and um, just coming in, you're so scared. You've been waiting to for our day, your report day for Beast, and you finally get in, and it's all just hitting you. People are yelling in your face. Things are happening. Things are moving. You don't want to be like my biggest fear was just failing. I didn't want to fail. 
I was so I was felt that I had to do everything perfectly right. And day one, same thing, the bags. I'm I'm I have nothing in. I'm about to have a breakdown. I'm like, I'm gonna have no clothes. I'm gonna wear the same pair of socks and shirt every day. And that was, I think that was the first thing where like, okay, you can fail. Like they're they're people are here to help you out. Like they're gonna be on you and they're gonna be instructive and make you into the person into the cadet that you need to be, but they're also going to be here to help you along the way. Right. And I, I was just scared that everyone was kind of be going to be on their own. And it was like, if you can't figure it out for your own, you're screwed. Like you're, you're off to the side and you're never going to be able to catch up. But through my time here, everybody is so helpful because there's everybody fails in something. I might be really good at doing some of the physical things because I've been an athlete all my life. But when it comes to chemistry, I might have no idea what I'm doing. And if you can, people will be able to help you with something that you're struggling at and you can help them with something they're struggling at because everybody fails at something. And that was like the most reassuring and something that I did not expect, to be honest. I was very scared that it was going to be very individual, but it's very, we're, we're like a cohesive team here. We, we say that the whole core here is a team, not, you don't just have your soccer team, you have the core as a team. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you, you both talked about being yeah. nervous uh, you, you kind of harped on a, an individual fear, but I mean, in reality, the army, the Navy, all, all of them, even collective, that's the ultimate team in America. I mean, it's, uh, they want you to succeed. They, they already vetted the process. They know you could do it. Now they're going to have you do it their way. It seems like, and, and, uh, my guess is most of that is by design. Most of that is 10, 20, 50, hundred years old. These, these practices that you're doing in the beginning to make you fail so you can just adjust and realize that there's a few small steps to take before you can take the big steps and just to calm down, take a few breaths and we're all going to get through this. I would imagine is what the, the main task is. I mean, but at the same time, they're going to come after you and get you and, and they're going to whip you into shape quickly is, uh, is my guess. But uh, yeah, those are great answers. So um, kind of jumping back a little bit into the recruiting process, you both played ECNL teams. Uh, Jackson, you'd mentioned going over to Dallas. So, um, there's MLS next door now, right? I mean, what's, what's the tier like over there? So as far as I know from the latest, when I was there, there was no MLS next. So whenever it switched over from DA to MLS next, they didn't have the MLS next team and they had two ECNL teams, which was like the old DA is their top team. And then the old ECNL, which was more of their bottom team in the ECNL. And, um, so, yeah, with no MLS, I switched over from Solar where I was playing on the DA. Um, and I actually felt like it was a great decision for me. I was able to play high school soccer, which taught me a lot, and I didn't think it would. And it was one of the most helpful things for me. And then this culture we had at the Texans was very helpful. They had contacts with coaches, and it helped me reach out to coaches and show me the process because my dad didn't play soccer, but I listened to him with everything, and he didn't know everything that he was talking about. So just talking to coaches and getting that relationship with coaches to be able to talk with them and have those serious talks about committing. Gotcha. And then, uh, and then Jabril, you said you were with Bayside with ECNL when you were seen by army. What, how did you remind me again? How did you finish? Were you with Bayside at the end or were you with the revolution at the end? I kind of, what was the timeline there? Uh, so I was with Bayside from like sophomore all the way to senior year. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, and so, where, what, since you guys weren't military backgrounds, this kind of jumped out at you. 
what, what, what were you thinking in the recruiting process? Like, where were you kind of narrowing your thoughts? This is where I want to go. This is what I want to study. These are the types of schools I was looking at. And then Army comes in and just messes all that up, of course. So tell me, what were you looking and then how did, how did it divert to the Army? Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go first answer this question. So um, initially, like I already told you guys, you know, my thought process, my parents' thought process, they were like, oh, man, Army this, Army that. But then um, as soon as we got on the phone call with Coach Check. Um, he kind of explained, gave me like some like more information as to what Army was. And as we got more into the recruiting process, it kind of seemed like some, especially like these Division One programs, some of these coaches were like in it just for their own success. They didn't really care about like the, your genuine well-being. Like I remember I went on my visit here and like the first thing was like, oh, like how's mom? How's dad? Like how's everyone? So that kind of like stood out to me, the coaches. Um and another thing for me was financially, it would be like the best decision. So that initially that made it stand out because, you know, going to school for free, playing soccer, playing the sport you love. But then like there was like still that army side where it's kind of questionable. But then like as you kind of go into the soccer process, so you go into the recruiting process and you like start getting it more into the coaches. Coaches like, OK, like you have to do this and in reward, I'm going to get this. When Coach Plotkin was kind of just like caring about your well-being, caring about like how you're progressing as a player, caring about how you're also going to progress as a person if you come here. So that stood out most to me and that, you know, was ultimately the reason why I decided to come to West Point. Gotcha. Jackson, same question. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was scared. I was talking to a couple other schools and I would say I had the same thing with coaches just being – very about themselves. I've always liked a coach that is on me and gets into me and I, I respond well to that, but there's a difference between, you know, a coach that is there to push you and make you be the best and a coach that, and a coach that just doesn't care about you. And I think that the coaches here exemplified that well, exemplified that to me just in a great way. They were, they were showing me that like, Hey, when you come in, you're, we're going to be on you. We're, we're going to make sure that you're the best player that you can be, but we're also going to be here to care for you. And it was kind of talking to some of the players. I was always reaching out, asking them, what, what's it like up there? Is the soccer side, is a, is a West Point side being a cadet? And they were like, the coaches are here for you. Like if, if you're doing hard, the coaches are going to have you over at their house. They're going to, they're, if you need a meal, they're going to be there for you. And they're having a meal. They're, we're going to, the team is just so close. And that was one thing that I noticed coming on my visits and going through different schools is how much closer the team was here. And it was a real family and a team rather than just a couple guys who played the same sport. So that was, that was definitely something that pushed me through and was like, I want to play soccer here. When did you guys both commit? I committed December 2nd, my senior year. Senior. Okay. So that's, is that late in the process? It is very late. Uh, I would say for my year, it wasn't as late just because of COVID. COVID pushed everything back with my junior year, but overall very late. Jabril, when did you commit? Uh, so I, I knew I wanted to come here my, like, I would say June of my junior year, but then there's the SAT. So I didn't actually commit until late, late October. Oh, so you needed to retake? Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay. So you needed a few more points. Yes, sir. Okay. Understood. Understood. So you guys both mentioned like how you were treated as recruits when you came on campus. Um, I was kind of wondering how you guys are going to parlay that into your leadership style 
as you go out into the military and, you know, what are the lessons you learned and how to treat people and, 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 uh, you know, what, you know, what facets of leadership did you learn from, from your recruiting process from coach Pluck and on, and the rest of the staff there? Oh, you want me to say this? Yeah. Oh, thanks for that, baby. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so basically like the foundation of leadership, I would say, I can't talk too much about like, you know, the leadership degree that West Point has to offer because I've only been here for about like nine, nine, eight months. But from my recruiting process, like the main pillar of leadership is like respect. Like respect is something that goes both ways. If you respect your your peers, your subordinates, whoever, respect's gonna go both ways. And during the recruiting process, um, the coaches like clearly demonstrated that they spoke that they talked about how that's like a part of the culture of the soccer team here. And that's why we have like no problems with like respect. Like when we have meetings, someone says something, the other one listens. We understand that conversation goes both ways. We all have something to say and everyone's here to listen. So cool. Jackson, Jackson you have anything to add? I would just say that along that respect line, there's a difference between someone who's just nice to you and lets you get off the hook with things and someone that's respectful, but holds you to a standard. And that was a big thing. Like, trying to be in between that line of where you're just being a bad person and you're always on them. You don't, you don't really care about their well-being and caring about their well-being, but holding to a standard for them to still succeed and push themselves. And the coaches here showed a perfect line to me, to be honest, of respecting us and pushing us to that standard to be our best. Right. Yeah. Um, sounds like they just kind of, understood who you guys were and, and wanted to see your potential and, and wanted to get you to that potential. So yes, that's, sir. that's really good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I want to, I want to back up just a little bit so that we can kind of paint a picture for anybody who might be thinking about West Point or any military Academy really, but like, you know, you commit and then what goes into um, the lead up to reporting that first day? Um, I'm sure that that's there's a lot to that. And, you know, what were you guys doing to prepare? What kind of guidance were you given? Um, Jackson, you want to start this time and then and then go over to Jabril? Yes, sir. So okay. for me, me and my family, we were watching videos, we just online videos, whatever we could find about what Beast was like. What What is the six weeks that you're there? What are you going through? We have that walkthrough with Coach and you talk to all these people, but really you just never know. So you're you're just a little confused, but like, you know what it's kind of going to look like. And, and then just the packing, which I hate packing, whether it's for a vacation that you want to go on or you're going six weeks into boot camp. Um, but you, you're, you're making sure you have the right socks. You, they're compact so that once you get into where you have to flip them over into that next bag that you can flip them over and not have that bag to fill. So it was really just a lot of packing and then, um, just getting sleep, to be honest, I was making sure that <laughs> when I got there, that I was, I was ready for whatever's going to come at me. I feel like you almost have that fear of like, one, you're just going to college. I'm from Dallas. I'm going all the way across the country to New York and I'm, I'm scared for what's going to come. I'm not going to see my family, be able to talk to them. So you almost hype up the fear into being it worse than what it really is going to be. And I would say that I overprepared, but just a lot of packing and, just nerves to get there. Like, I wouldn't say you were scared, but you, you anticipated, like you wanted to be there and you were happy, but just nervous. Yeah. Gabriel, what do you remember from that time? Yeah, so, 
Well, mine's obviously a little bit more fresher than Jackson, so I'm gonna go a little bit earlier. So right away you commit, and then you're actually now you're actually trying to get into the school. So you have the process of meeting the senators, getting your letters of recommendation from like your teachers. But throughout this whole process, you really understand like the type of school West Point is because you commit to the school, and right away the amount the amount of connections you get opens up. You're meeting with senators, and you're talking about like what you did in your life to like make you have this privilege to go to the school. So right away, I met with two senators. I got both their nomination. One of them was actually uh, alumni from my high school. So that one was like a little bit, little, little cheat code. So um, <laughs> yeah, you have you have that process. And then you're talking to, you know, like the higher ups of your school. You're talking to your vice principal, your principal. Hey, I'm thinking about going to this great school. Can you please write me like a letter of recommendation? You're talking to all your teachers. Um, and from going to West Point, from committing at West Point, you see everyone's kind of like perception on you kind of change. They're like, oh man, like you're going to the army, like you're going to West Point. So that kind of just talks about like what kind of school West Point is and like the type of people that graduate from this place. Um, but then like after that, like Jackson said, you know, you're just preparing your mom's always on the internet watching videos. Hey, you need this, you need this, you need that. Um, and then you're just trying to see like all your family, you're trying to see all your friends because your summer ends a lot earlier than everyone else's. So you're just trying to spend time with the people you love. And then lastly, just like you're physically preparing. You're running a lot. You're playing a lot of soccer. You're just doing everything that you can to help not prepare you for Beast because nothing can prepare you for Beast, but help you get best situated for Beast. So Yeah. Um, geez, let me follow up real quick, and then you can jump back in here. Um, so Beast is six weeks, right? Yes, exactly. And so it's, it's basic training for um, – you know, being able to walk onto campus for being a student West Point, right? A cadet. Um, so like uh, you guys are talking about switching over bags. So basically you report to your dorm and then they like ship you off somewhere else to go do beast. So that's why you have to flip bags or how does it, what's the story there? So I'll take this one. You come in and you have your, your own bag that you brought with all your clothes in it that you're going to have for the next six weeks. Mm-hmm. And you basically are not throwing away, but you're putting away your bag and you're putting all of your clothes into the bag that they give you. Oh, I see. Like, just, yeah, it, it's, it's one of the things that happens. I feel like it gets a lot of people and they get very scared about it because you're like, oh my gosh, are they not going to let me bring my soap or my socks? Cause I, I was sitting there freaking out, right. but really it, it was like a, a five minute thing. You switch over the bags and then you're through, you're good. And, but that's, that's right outside your barracks. And then you go and you put, put your bag in your barracks and you set up your room, but it's, it's right where you are. You're not leaving to go out to the field yet. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead, cheese. If you want to, if you want to jump I in. Back in. Ask you about the academic <laughs> side and the post-graduation side. And, um, I actually, I want to definitely jump into post first. What exactly, uh, are your requirements and what's set up for you when you graduate, this is what's expected out of you. And what does that look like for you? Kind of, do you both have different plans with that and uh, how many years you're going to put in kind of, kind of elaborate on that and what, what that looks like when you're all finished. I'll go, I'll go first. Um, so, there you go. all right. So right away we're required to serve five years uh, in the, in the army um, based on kind of now it's kind of different picking your branch but a lot of the first years they picked field 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 artillery but it's kind of like not i wouldn't say a draft but kind of this process where you put out like everything you're good at 
and then the brands just put out everything that they need from someone. And if they like match up, then you'll get picked for that branch. Um, personally, I don't really know what I want to branch at, what I want to do in the army. Um, something with like engineering. Um, but yeah, you're required to serve five years, and as soon as you graduate, you go to like another officer school. Um, where you see like all, all the ROTC graduates and all that. But the thing with West Point is you've been doing this military thing for the last four years. So you kind of have, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of ahead of your peers in that case. Um, but yeah, you're required to serve five years. And I haven't really thought about like, I don't think any, a lot of the people who come and talk to us that are like generals or have stayed in for a long time, they're like, oh man, like I thought I was only going to stay in for five years, but then boom, 30 years later, here they mm-hmm. are talking to us. So, I can't really talk too much on the future. Like Jackson said, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying the process, taking it one step at a time. So, so uh, basically, when you get in there, you can pick a bunch of different majors. I'm sure they have a it's a, it's, it's a school. So you're picking yeah. different things to study. How much of that is influenced into the next step? Are they looking at you and you just mentioned engineering? I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're going to say, hey, Jabril has this great engineering degree. They're going to jump you into a field that's, requirement for for engineering i mean i would assume that i mean is that what all of your teammates are doing they're kind of trying to position themselves to be in a few of these fields when they graduate so it's it's something that they can relate to and something that they like is that a is that a common theme yeah that, i would definitely say that a lot of the engineering majors on my team got field artillery like i was talking about so mm-hmm. that has engineering in it you know you have like the trajectory and all the engineering components so, yeah, I would say a lot of the times, a lot of these majors translate exactly into what they're doing in the Army. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes, because we also have to, like, count in, like, the physical scores, right? So let's say you have, like, amazing physical scores, and you do have, like, your engineering degree, but it's not as good as, like, your physical scores. Then you might be doing, like, a combat arm because you're better at the physical things. So there's a lot of different things to consider when getting your branch, and all those branches, they consider them, so... And what does, uh, so you put in those four years at the school, then you serve for five years. What does, uh, what does it look like if you were like, you know what? I did my five, I'm stepping away. I have this great engineering degree. I'm going to go into the private sector and do a different job now. What does that look like in terms of retirement? Does that even kick in for you guys? Mm-hmm. Do you need to put in 20, you know, kind of what, what does that look like? And does it include the four years of school? Uh, kind of elaborate on that for me if you can. Yeah, of course. So Going to West Point, it's a prestigious school. So if you were to get out of the army, you still have opportunities to do more schooling. You get your master's somewhere, somewhere that is a great school. A lot of people here, they graduate here, they do their five years and they get their master's at an Ivy League or at a school like U Chicago, these these top tier schools that are like prestigious. Um, and if that doesn't interest you, then West Point has a bunch of people who are just overachieving. Everyone here is an overachiever, they all graduated. So those who don't stay in the army, we see them almost everywhere. So if you were to get into the private sector in these like higher areas, there's most likely a West Point graduate over there. So we have this thing called the alumni of graduates, the AOG. And it's basically when you're in the private sector, you can just, you know, LinkedIn, take one of them up and they probably have some opportunity for you. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, the other day I was driving my wife and I saw, um, we have a lot of military bases here in the, in mm-hmm. our, in our area. And I saw, I mean, I'm going to call him a kid. He must have been 20, 21, full military garb on a motorcycle. And I'm driving and he kind of passes me. And I'm like, man, I'm 41 years old. I could have put in 20 years, retired, 
had a nice pension coming through, then picked up college coaching or something like that. And, you know, I'm double salarying now and having some, uh, you know, it just seems like everybody that goes that route, it, you would be in this page. I mean, you, you're going to graduate at 22, put in 20 years and mm-hmm. then go do something else. And you're going to have a West Point degree, 20 years in the, in the military. Uh, and I mean, you're going to be making great money on top of your retirement, and your pension. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're trying to look ahead without looking ahead. I mean, is that, to me, that's so enticing. And uh, I'm surprised more kids aren't trying to go that route. Uh, is that something you guys are looking into? I would definitely say for me, I've, I've, I mean, everybody looks into it a little bit. You try to take one step at a time, but you're always looking at your future. I mean, you were looking at your future when you, you made the decision to come here, or if you made the decision not to come here, if, if you're someone that didn't, that had the opportunity to come and you didn't come. But there are all these opportunities that Jabril is kind of hitting on. Um, if you want to go get an MBA, the Army can pay for it. And it, you would just prolong your service a little bit, but then the Army's paying for that. Or if you want your kid's college to be paid for it, you can do even more years of service and you can get the GI Bill. You have your, your health care paid for, your, your housing paid for. So there's all these kinds of things that are, they're, the Army benefits you from staying in and adding years to your service. But then also getting out and being like, hey, maybe, maybe I just do five years, I get out. Um, and all the connections you make up here. A lot of people talk about how college is really just the connections you make. And I think that you make the best connections that you possibly could if you went here. So those are all things to take into account and look for. Um, And some people try to set that up with their branch. If you maybe go infantry, you're not getting as much of the civilian sector workload as if you went finance branch and you're working with numbers all the time and you're budgeting for a military budget that could be worth millions and billions of dollars. But um, those are all things to look for when you're, when you're branching, if you're deciding to come here, when you're picking your major as well. So I would, I would say for me, like I'm an econ major. I, I picked that cause that was what's, what I was interested in. And I just wanted to do, I wanted to do something that I was interested in. And if it, if it hurts me in the long run, because I didn't do engineers and I don't get to go to uh, branch engineers, then maybe it hurts me, but if it if it's something that I enjoy doing, then it's what I want to do. Yeah, my dad was an econ major, uh, served in the Marine Corps in supply, so he was working in these huge buildings. With I mean, he was just in charge of entire. You talk about budgets. I mean, his was in the billions. I'm assuming, and he finished off his 20 years, and then I mean, people were just begging for him to come work for them. I mean, you're gonna get a job right away after that, and uh, he's. He's great. He's he's retired twice now. He retired from the Marines and then retired from the private world. And uh, he's 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 never going to work again. I'm I'm so proud of him. And I uh, wish I kind of went that route sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's that's hey, man. We're gonna turn this into a recruiting video. <laughs> I just I'm trying to do something where they take talk. And uh, my son's name is Tuck. I'm just like, please take him. You're gonna need a big helmet. He's got a big head, but you know he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, guys talk about like, like, uh, you get through beast six weeks, right. And then, you know, I'm assuming at some point you start to play soccer. Um, so talk about like, you know, coming out of beast, uh, you got to go through beast before you start soccer, right? Is that the way it works? Um, yes, yes sir. So you're already like six weeks behind, right? Everyone else has been playing soccer and you guys are six weeks behind when you're first coming in. So talk about what that kind of shock is when you're first step out on the training pitch and, and you know, what you guys remember from that. And um, then, you know, how it goes balancing 
um, through a season as a cadet? I'll start off. So for me, I was, I mean, I'm finally getting to go to a college team, something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. So the nerves were already high and you get out of beast, your touch is a little bit off. Everything feels just a little bit weird. And I, I can remember from my first day, we were meeting all the guys and we were just doing some juggling drill, something I've done my whole life. And I was messing up like every time. And I'd say for the guys on the team, everyone kind of understands they've all came out of beast, had their touch a little bit messed up. And uh, they're, they're very like, give, give you a second to get into it. And then, but it really comes back really quick. You, you've had the muscle memory of playing soccer since you were five, three, whatever. And it comes back quick. And then we really ramp up into season and get going. I'd also say that after your freshman year, you, you almost get more time than other colleges to play because you're coming back in the summer and you're, you're right back into it. And we're starting earlier. And then in, in the fall, we're, we're, we get less of a, a winter break. So we're already back in and playing in January. And I would say over, over the four years, you make it up from what you miss in those six weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you get, you know, Jamie already said it, you get back from beast and your touch is like, wow, like how am I here? But then, you know, you get comfortable with the team. You start to get, like, your flow back. You start to realize, like, man, soccer's fun. Like, this is why I'm here. And everything, like, starts to flow from there. So you get back into it really quick. And from, like, the academic year, um, first semester, soccer season, um, you have so much support. So you're not really worried about anything. You're not worried about failing classes. You're not worried about being, like, mentally mentally going through it. Because we have, we have um, Dr. Kat. She's, like, a what is she, a psych- psychological sports psychologist. Excuse me, sports psychiatrist. Um, so that she's there for us if we're going through like a, a rough time mentally. We have mandatory um, study halls. So if we're going through academically, we have tutors at those study halls. So like in season, you're not worried. You're not really. There's not really a lot of outside factors that you're worried about because you have all the support. So if you are going through something, you have all the support to like get you through it. And then, and then soccer wise, that's kind of like our escape. So. At the end of the day, all our classes are over. You know, we have practice. We get to see each other. And it's overall just a great time. What uh, What is the soccer like? You know, I, uh, I, I'm i buddies with uh, the previous Naval Academy coach. And uh, I had heard that they subbed just – I mean, everybody played. Just got after – this was the year they went to the NCAA. So they had a really good team on top of that. And mm-hmm. so kind of what is what is the soccer like uh, being – being there, it's it's got to be a little different. I'm assuming you know, it's a different different atmosphere. So what what's it like? Um, I would say environment wise, the only games that are like a lot different from regular Division One soccer games are the academy games. And I would say they're up there with like professional games. Um, I remember the Air Force game. That was the first game of the season, and here I am, a freshman, with like this big crowd of like cadets. And it's the first time you're kind of a big fish in the little pond. You know, usually as a plebe, like this little, you're this little fish just trying to get through. This is the first time you actually have the chance to like express yourself. But I would say like soccer wise, it's the same as like any other division one school, you know, like, like, put the ball down and play. Um, but like the environment and the service academy games, especially it's a lot, it's a lot different. There's a lot more energy and it's, um, it is something that like, it's a feeling that you don't that you don't forget. Like I'm still kind of buzzing thinking about like the service academy games. So yeah, my side. I would say that it from talking to some of my buddies who play. I got friends that play at different colleges. It is pretty similar, but just the the schedule of your day is so much different. 
you know, we're doing, we're doing class all day, waking up in the morning and then everything we're doing together is, is a team. So breakfast together as a team, lunch together as a team. Then everyone, you know, you're going through different classes, but a lot of us are taking some similar classes and then we're all together out there on the field. And it's like the day is over and we're, we're excited to be at practice. We're happy. It's not like sometimes you go through the motions when you get to practice, but I feel like here it's really like, it's fulfilling. You're like, I'm at practice. We're ready to go. And I think that we play very similar soccer to a lot of the other schools. Um, with the subbing thing that you mentioned, I say that um, I don't want to speak on coach's tactics, but he, he like he plays who he thinks best. And if you're performing, then you're going to play. And if you've, you've shown that you've worked hard in practice, then you're going to play. Yeah, kind of to build on this point, too, about our different schedules. I feel like at the end of the day, it kind of feels rewarding to practice because it felt like we like earned the day. We wake up super early. We have to go to all our classes and then boom, you know what I'm saying? You have this moment where it's chill. You're with all your, all your best friends, all your brothers, and you finally get to do the thing that you love at the end of the day. So it's, it makes every practice, it makes every practice challenging, competitive because everyone there kind of has like the shared understanding that you earned that right to practice. So I think that's something that differs from a lot of schools. Because, you know, if you're talking to your buddies at these other divisional schools, they're like, yeah, man, like I just skipped my first class. I woke up at 12, da, da, da. And then I practice at three. And it's like, I've been in school all day. I've had five, I've had five classes while you just woke up. And, the, and then we're still practicing at the same time. So, Yeah, I, I would imagine the idea of skipping school where you guys are is uh, not uh, not one of the yeah. options. Yeah, not a, not a great idea. <laughs> Coming to get you quickly for that. That's that's good to hear. I mean, I, I assumed that since the, the level of talent I've seen the academies bring in is very high. And I'm like, man, they can do whatever they want. Of course, Coach Plotkin's come from a, a great background. And uh, uh, so I was I was assuming that you guys were going to say what you said. So that's good to hear. Uh, I want you to touch a little bit more on that, that uh, those service academy games. Now, you guys, you play at the Philly Union Stadium. Is that right? For the, the Army-Navy game? Okay, so I, I attended an Army-Navy football game back in the 90s. It's, it was the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. It was an unbelievable experience. And uh, I mean, I just I wish I wasn't a coach in the same season as you guys. I'd go pick up Scott on my way up there and we'll go and watch the game. He's going to probably be able to go without me. But what what is that like? What's that experience like? And uh, I mean, how'd you guys do this year? You know, like what, what's what's the rivalry like? I'd say the rivalry is like no other. There's there's no feeling you get than going into that Philly Union Stadium stadium and you're playing Navy and it doesn't matter what what has happened the rest of the season but that game is just it's 90 minutes of straight grit and who wants it more um i'd say the worst thing about the thing about the rivalry is that we can tie it's frustrating we tied this year versus navy and it just feels like somebody has to win but going on there me and jabril both played versus navy as freshmen and it's like you're you're, you're scared like Everyone is so amped up for this game, and it means so much to every single person on the field on both both teams, whether they're somebody who hasn't played all year or they're somebody that is a captain and a night, plays 90 minutes a game. It means, I think, the same to every single person on that field. And the, the, there's 10,000 fans in the crowd. You're, you're playing on a pro stadium, something you probably wanted to do as a kid, and the feeling is just insane. So it, you, all your friends are coming out to watch you, using their weekends to come watch you, and it just feels like you, you've done something, and it it just means something. Yeah, that's that sounds really exciting. <laughs> Scott, you're gonna need to go to that game this year, man. 
I'm there. Go ahead, Jabril. I mean, I think, yeah, I think Jackson covered it. It's honestly like a surreal feeling. You know, as soon as you arrive there, you're practicing on a field union and their practice fields and you kind of, you feel like a professional. You feel like a little kid. Like you said, you feel like all your jittery, jittery, excuse me, jittery, like old man, like, you know, my look at, look at me talking, speaking about it, you know? You're um you're like all yeah, you're all jittery inside, you're all tingly. It's like, oh man, like this is really it. Then you walk out there, you know, you're trying to spot your family, but again, there's like ten thousand people in the stands. You can't you can't you know, you can't spot anyone. And then and then I think the best feeling after the game for me was after the game. Um like a little kid asked to take a picture of me and I was like, Oh man, like it kind of was that moment like, wow, like these you know, I'm like in that position that I once that I once wanted to be. So it honestly was a surreal feeling, like a little kid asking to like take a picture of me and being like, oh man, like, cause a lot of the time here, like we're hard on ourselves and we don't really understand how far we came, how far we come. But then, you know, you kind of take a step back and it's like, man, like, you know, I'm really somewhere, so. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so uh, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what you guys do in the off season. Um, just kind of a, just to kind of paint a picture for people who are considering an academy level um, college soccer experience, and you know what they can expect, and you know what your guys' days look like, and, and that sort of thing. Um, so right now we're just kind of in a time of development. A thing that's different from service academies and a lot of the schools is right now. You know, people be hitting up their buddies like, "Hey, come play at my school," but here you can't you can't do that. So right now it's just a time for all all of, all of us to individually develop. Right now we, we had at the very beginning of offseason we had like meeting with our coaches about what we want to do, where do we see ourselves the next year, and now we're just trying to like execute that. We're trying to be better individually, which could overall enhance us as a team. Um, so right now our schedule is we have day ones and day twos, a reason why we couldn't like get the same scheduling. So on our on our day ones, our class starts about 10. So we have a 7 a.m. practice, and we go for about an uh, hour and a half to two hours, and we're on the ball. We're being competitive. We're playing each other. Um, and then on day twos, usually we have a lift. So after school at about 4.45, 4.30, we have – or 16.30, 16.45, yeah. we, um, we have a lift that we do with our strength and conditioning coach, Silas. He's great. Um, we're doing that, we're doing fitness, we're running, we're putting the work. So right now, a lot of the work for next season is happening right now. Just to go more in depth, I'd say that with what Joe Brill is saying about individual meetings and individual uh, production, a lot of that is what we're focusing on this spring. So um, especially for the plebes, like they just get in and they're just being thrown right into the team. Hey, you're playing here. Like we need you to do this. We need you to do that. And the spring is when they can, the coaches can really work with us individually and perfect whatever we were lacking in. So it could be anything from on the soccer field to positioning, athleticism, technical ability, like tight spaces, whatever it is. And they're working with you individually. And then we're bringing that all in at the end of practices in a team organized under a scrimmage, small sided, whatever it is. And kind of just seeing that pay off each day. And it's like just plugging away, like each day hitting the tree with the ax and one more step at a time. And then, um, but it, it's just, it's rewarding. It's, it's a hard period, but it's a rewarding period where we, we all just come together and we're pushing all for the same goal that we know, like, hey, 
we need to be a little bit better than next year. Like we need to win however many more games than next last year. And it's it's just a real individual time period that we encompass in the team together. What uh what is like a what does your monthly calendar look like? Like when do you check in? Winter finals? What's your winter break like? Do you get one? How long? Like what's that look like? Do they really get after you? Like, you better come back fit and ready to go. You know what? What does your year look like? Kind of monthly. So coming in, I'll, I'll just start from the uh, fall. So we come in. A lot of the upperclassmen that aren't uh, the plebes going into beast, they get in around early June. And then they're starting right away. Some some people will be doing summer classes to get ahead and make their semesters a little bit lighter. But everyone around early June to mid-June having our practices, school starts around August 7th. So that's when you'll start taking your classes and you have that normal period like we're doing school five days a week. Um, the nice part is, is getting federal holidays. Not every school gets those. Like we just had President's Day that uh, some of my buddies didn't have. But uh, we get... Uh, so I think there's Columbus day and then we have Thanksgiving break, which I'm hoping that we don't have this year. Cause I'm hoping we're still playing and we're in the tournament and we're going far. Um, and then we get veterans day. Is that, how long that? Is you get a whole week for Thanksgiving or just three days? We get, I want to say we got off Tuesday this week and then came back Monday. So nearly a full week, but it was good. Got everyone got to see their families and all. And then Christmas, I want to say we get we got a week and a half this year, right? Around like two weeks. So about a week and a half to two weeks. Usually it's from December 18th to January 4th. So so two weeks. And okay. then you come back and it's you're right back into it. We're going and um, you get two two breaks, one one two three day breaks, one in January, one in uh, February, and then you get a spring break for about 12 days. So actually a really good spring break. And then that's that's about the last time until we get finals at the end, which we have about we call them T week. That T's are our finals, and so mm-hmm. those are the last week of school around May twentieth. And then that that kind of concludes your uh, semester or your school year, and then you have summer training over summer. So that looks different depending on what class you're in and what training you're doing. But your summer breaks are just—I mean—that sounds like less than a month. Uh, I got I got around four and a half weeks four last half. year, but some of the other guys got around eight weeks. So it, it oh, kind of okay. depends on, it depends on what you're doing because you could get off at May 20th and be done till around June, maybe with maybe like a week back in here at school, or you could, or you could really have in your whole entire summer taken up, just really depending on how much stuff you want to do, because there's a lot of opportunities they give us here for some of the more military based schools. So like uh, airborne or aerosol or doing, IATs too. So kind of internships, which there are some really great internships here. So if you, you can kind of manage your own summer in a way. So for those longer breaks, like spring break, does everybody leave? Does everybody go home or do you have a lot of guys that stick around? For spring break, I think just about everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys go together. So different trips to different places. A lot of the guys, like we said, we're just so close here. So everyone's yeah. taking trips together and just having a good time away. And then once we get back, it's, it's right back in, right. Cause we're starting right around the spring season right then. So it's, it's going right back in, into the game plan and starting right where we left off. I mean, a lot of this sounds like a normal college experience, you know, in, in addition to, I mean, it's the same thing. My guys are vacationing together on spring break as well. And uh, uh, I believe uh, coach Plotkin mentioned you guys are 
going abroad soon? Is it this year or next year? We, we there's been talks about it. I'm not sure exactly yet. I'm I'm waiting to find out because I'm excited to go, but um, I think it, it'll be coming around next year. Okay. Are you guys uh, excited at the prospect of being stationed abroad? When I will guys- probably have that opportunity with my grades, but uh, I know some <laughs> of the older guys are super excited. Those are some of the more uh, enticing posts that they have yeah. available here, and they usually go off in the higher numbers. But uh, it, it's a lot of the people love it. I would love to go to Germany or to Italy. Very exciting places to grow up, especially when you're in your 20s. Right. But uh, those, those are very exciting. Is that, uh, is that where the majority of the boys that are going abroad, is that where they're being stationed? Yes, sir. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so you guys don't really get an opportunity to play. Like you're not going to go play on a USL2 team over the summer or anything like that. You guys do I'll your drill. Um, yeah, depending on how long our summer is. So this this summer I was playing on play, playing for a USL2 team, and then I got my summer training, which I can't control. And it kind of put it in the right in the middle of my summer. So I have like a week and then I have training and then I have another two weeks. So really depending on your schedule, you can or cannot. In the past, there have been a lot of players who have uh, who have had a longer spring break and who have played for UPSL teams, um, USL2 teams, just like playing summer ball, getting touches in, getting, you know, playing with those collegiate players and environment other than the NCAA um so yeah a couple players on our team this year have plans on doing that hopefully they don't get the same summer schedule as me and have to cancel their plans but but the opportunity to play usl2 or just play summer ball in general is definitely available so what's the summer training you have so for me going into my yuck year it's called cadet field training too and it basically just kind of like builds on beast but it's a lot less strict now it's not really on like discipline or learning the rules it's about the more it's about more military training so i'll be firing like motors more guns be in the field more just doing a lot of the more fun stuff a lot of the more stuff that you join the military for instead of getting yelled at so <laughs> cool love that these are going to jump in there you gonna add something i'm sorry no I, i'm soaking this all in I'm, I'm i'm impressed with these two young men yeah yeah for sure um so Jackson, um, what would you kind of, if you were to advise your younger self, um, you know, what would you tell yourself as a junior or senior in high school as you were, you knew you were coming to West Point and that sort of thing? Like, what what would you lay lay out there for yourself? I would say that you can't you can't just change who you are. A lot of times people will be like, oh, once I get into college, I'll I'll. I'll fix my study habits or once this comes around I'll start training harder, whatever that case may be, or oh, once we get three days closer to the game, I'll start hydrating. That's really just not realistic in any way, shape or form. So kind of just preparing my, my habits more. I would say that I didn't really have the greatest study habits in high school. I didn't, um, my, my training habits were good, but you can always push for better. So it's like, you have to start working on those things earlier and preparing yourself for, college college soccer in general no matter where you go like are are you how how is your leadership skills how are you how are you in practice are you if it's a drill that you can are you just staying back or are you are you fully 100% in and attentive and talking and doing things that coaches want to see like 
everyone knows that once you go to a showcase, you might open your voice a little bit more because you want to be seen, but are you doing that in practice? Do you just turn it on for a game? So I think it was for me really just telling myself, like, you can't just flip a switch. It, it, it's a consistency type of thing. And that's really what the Academy has shown me a ton, just being consistent. And you can't, people talk about that a lot right now too. Like once you are in the big army and you're a platoon leader, you don't just all of a sudden then be able to enforce standards and uh, hold people to a, like a different standard and push them to be the best versions of themselves. You have to start doing that now. And that's kind of what the whole process is here at West Point is figuring out what your leadership style is here now and working on that and crafting it. So not just waiting to flip the switch, but doing it then. Jabril, same question. Yeah, of course. So uh, first thing I would do is I would hand my 16-year-old self a big fat book that says a SAT study guide. <laughs> um, but no, on a serious, <laughs> excuse me, on a, on a serious note, um, like Jackson was saying, I think as soon as, so I probably had the best GPA my junior year. I had like a 4.0, 3.98. I was right there. And then I commit my senior year and I'm like, okay, like now I'm just on cruise control. We just got to make it to graduation. But everything you do matters. The things you do every single day, that becomes your culture. That becomes your way of life. Those things that you do become habits. So, you know, you're sleeping in till seven, you're getting to school at 7.15. Those things are going to translate over and it's going to be a lot harder to transition into this strict lifestyle of waking up at six and having to be somewhere at seven. So I would just say to my 16 year old self, to the 16 year olds watching this now, start doing the hard things now. So you're getting used to it. Challenge yourself. Every, every opportunity you get, try to challenge yourself, try to, try to fail because the, like ultimately the failures are what builds you. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just to kind of, for me anyway, to close it out, like talk about, what happens once you graduate, um, you get a commission, um, you know, you're a second lieutenant, um, and then talk about, you know, what it's, what it, what it like, I know it depends on the branch that you're going into, but, um, you know, what that looks like to go into the big army and, um, be a, be a, a junior officer and that sort of thing. What kind of opportunities are there? Both of this start, um, Right away, you commission, you, you finally walk on stage. It's probably one of your happiest moments of your life. I, I can't wait. I'm, you know, we got two years, but every day feels like a step closer. But you get 60 day leave right when you commission. So your 60 days are for me perfect for the World Cup. That, that's, on the, uh, that's on the blueprint. Um, but you get 60 day leaves to go see your friends and family. And then right away, you're going to some kind of training based on your um based on whatever branch you go into so if you're in the infantry it's the eye bullock and so on and it's kind of just more of a technical training into whatever branch you pick and then you you're going right in after your um after your bullock and you're going to be a platoon leader and you're in charge of 32 men you have your psg with you and you're following commander's intent so all the all the leadership training that we've done here for the past four years are going into your your platoon leader time and you you have people that are rating you and making sure that you're doing a good job and you can you know you can go up the ranks you can go or you they, they might not like you so 
I feel like every everything we do here is for a reason and it's preparing you for that moment and to make sure that you are like the best platoon leader possible when you get to your uh, when you get to your post. And then eventually those five years come around and you're you're making a decision whether you want to keep going or whether you want to get out. And uh, those are just decisions based on how you like the army. There's some guys like Jabril kind of pointed on earlier. They they thought that they would hate the army. They they really didn't like it that much when they were here. But then they they get to their platoon and they love it and they they stay in for 20 years. So taking right. it just a step at a time. Um. Yeah, this one's. I'm gonna ask Jabril a question actually. Um, so let's say uh, you're a forward, right? Yes, sir. So let's say your your last year, um, you score 20 goals and and the MLS comes knocking or whoever, right? So mm-hmm. as as someone who's going to graduate and get commissioned, what mm-hmm. is that? Are you do you have the ability to go play in the MLS? Um, you know, how does is there a process there? I remember David Robinson when I was a kid. You know, you went to the mm-hmm. Naval Academy. You guys might yeah. not remember. That. I'm saying how old I am now, but go ahead. Uh, what's the process there? Yeah, so it honestly changed. I can't give you an answer that answers this question in four years because it changes so much. Um, as of right now, you can you can leave. You just would owe the money, the two hundred fifty thousand dollars that the academy paid for you. Um, but there are other instances where I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zach Zach Bradshaw. He yeah. is a he's he's a West Point graduate and he's playing right now for the Portland Timbers. And and kind of funny, also ironic the. Canadian national team. Um, but yeah, so if that opp- opportunity presented itself in four years, giving, given the way now, I would honestly just have to see like what it looks like financially, because obviously $250,000 is a lot of money. Um, yeah, but it's honestly changing so much that as of right now, like I can't give you a like solid answer. Hopefully I could, you know, call you in four years and be like, Hey, like, I got this MLS contract. <laughs> And uh, Congress, you know, decided to be a little nicer to me. So, yeah. Keys will write you a check for the two fifty. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, decimal points can be misplaced. Let's put it that way. Keys, <laughs> what else you got? Anything? I'm 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 wrapped up, buddy. I, I'm I'm okay. super impressed with you guys, uh, Jabril Jackson. Thank you so much. Uh, I I hope we cross paths one day, and I hope my son's with me so he can he can meet you guys. I think you guys are going to be excellent role models, and uh, yeah, love to meet him. I'm excited for the future of our military with uh, with gentlemen like you. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time, and I'm definitely going to be following you guys uh, this fall and rooting for you. And if uh, if I have the chance, I'm coming up. I want to come to that game. That that's that yes, we would love to have you. Yeah. Thank you for having us on, sir. Absolutely. I'll wear an army shirt. I promise to wear. <laughs> Um, you guys have anything else that uh, you, any any pearls of wisdom you want to leave for uh, young student athletes out there? I'm not too good with words, sir. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, just thank you guys again. Honestly, um, it's a privilege to represent the soccer team here and to represent the academy. So I'm glad we're here speaking on behalf of the army on behalf of the academy, and appreciate you guys for giving us this opportunity. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for being willing to do it. Appreciate it. Um, Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com/matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with the production of the podcast, 
so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.